Hello, and welcome back to What Brought You Here Today. I'm your host, Ryan Malik, and on today's episode, I sit down with my friend, Lindsay. She's a friend, colleague, mom, author, and certified financial coach and therapist. Lindsay and I talk about coping skills, entering parenthood during a pandemic, mental health, her book, I've Got 99 Coping Skills and Being a Bitch Ain't One, and her transition from social worker to certified financial therapist. This episode does discuss labor, delivery, traumatic birth experiences, and postpartum mental health. Please take extra care while listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to What Brought You Here Today. I am joined with one of my really good friends, former colleagues, also a mom. Her name is Lindsay. Welcome, Lindsay. Hello. 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 How are you today? I am well. It is Monday. We just finished our basement bedroom. So I'm like crazed trying to finish that. And I have like my office here now, my little alcove. So I'm very excited, but I'm like, oh my gosh, now I get to decorate a whole room and move our whole life down here. So it's fun. It's a lot. It's exciting. Are you at your new desk, your new office space right now? Yes. It looks really bare. I don't know if you video your podcast. I forget. Do you? No, I mean, no. Okay. Yeah, no, but it's, yes, I'm at my new desk. This is only my second meeting I've taken here. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited to like put things on the walls. It's gonna be great. Yeah. I mean, this is a step up from like the Tupperware in the living room. Tupperware in the living room. We both have done. Yep. We've both done that. And then I was in, my basement was framed in for like, I don't know, a good eight months. So I was just sitting on my child's like nugget, like the play structure for a long time (laughs) taking meetings. So that was great. My client last night was like, oh my gosh, you have walls. We have walls, people. We have walls. We're moving on. (laughs) What an an upgrade. It is. It's amazing. (laughs) So Lindsay and I have known each other. We just figured this out before I hit record for about nine years now. We met working together at an inpatient hospital in Minnesota. So we are both in the mental health field. Why don't you give the people your background? I just want to like do a Kanye, like give the people what they want. <laughs> My background. Well, you did it. So. <laughs> I did it. There you go. Uh, I am Lindsay. Yes, I, well, yeah. So I worked in patient psych with Ryan and then, wow, so much has happened in nine years. I don't even know where to like go from there. I basically became a licensed social worker. I got my master's in social work and was doing the thing for a couple of years, taking, you know, outpatient clients, working mostly just like generalist stuff. And then a pandemic happened. And then I found out I was pregnant a month before the pandemic came. And so I was working in the clinic and I stopped working because we didn't know that was like when we were still wiping down groceries, like we didn't know, you know, what the, what the thing could do to babies. So that's when I became a stay at home mom, um, which was fine for a while, but I realized just how much social work is truly like a part of me. And so I missed what I did. I, I loved, you know, my baby and stuff, but I wanted to work still. And so I, have figured out kind of how to do that integration work-life balance situation. So now I'm mom by day and I am a financial therapist by night and weekend. And so there's kind of a lot of stuff in in, in between, but that is where I'm at now without giving everyone my entire play-by-play life story. <laughs> You're also an author. I'm also an author. Yes. When my baby was nine months old, I was like, ah, get me out of my head. Cause I entered motherhood in a, 
as Ryan knows, a severe postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety situation over here. And so she's holding up my book. Yes, I got 99 coping skills and being a bitch ain't one is my book. And it's awesome. And everyone should get a copy because it is truly so helpful. And we'll link it in the show notes for everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm an author also, and that's amazing. And it's been, that was a really fun process actually. So we can talk about that if, if you want, if people have questions, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think we'll touch on it because I think I was fortunate enough to be in the back seat of the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you want you were one of my beta time. readers, weren't weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So Ryan is very, very well equipped <laughs> with understanding my book. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know all 99 coping skills and I still reference them often even in my own social media. And like, you know, you do, to which my clients. I always so appreciate. It's like the very best. My favorite is rock climbing. So if you want to read number, I think it's 88. It's a good one. Oh my God. We're going to verify that you know this. I think I know it, but I'm, but I might not because I just, I changed the list so much. So people always ask. So the book is literally quite literally a list of 99 coping skills for the, am I right? I'm right. You're right. 88 is rock climbing. Yeah. Let's just talk about the book let's while we're talk here. About it. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, and some people are like, you have rocks for brains. I'm never going rock climbing. And I'm like, you don't have to, there's 98 other coping skills to choose from. So there you go. (laughs) What made you write the book? That's a good question. Do you know this story? You might not. It started at Prairie Care. I know, like, I think just high level, I heard you talk about it at Prairie Care. Okay. Kind of like, but I don't know like what made it actually come to fruition yeah so when I was there so Ryan and I were both floor staff so we worked very very closely with the patients I don't know how much your audience kind of knows about this already but essentially we were nurses without passing meds is kind of how I say it like I don't want people to have the idea that we were the therapists or the doctors that come in for 45 seconds and then leave right like we were very hands-on with the patients very you know, doing a lot of this stuff. And so a lot of what we were doing is like, there would be a, you know, a patient in the midst of a panic attack, something like that. And we were on the ground working with the patients, doing those breathing techniques, doing whatever we could, you know, get them out of that panic, that state of panic. And so, but while we were there, Ryan and I both worked upstairs a lot, which was the adolescent floor. And so these patients would come off the elevator and it was a super vulnerable time, really, really scary for them. And our job was to like, take their vitals, do the thing, hand them a folder, show them their rooms, you know, get them kind of acclimated to the floor. And as I was paging through the folder one day, I realized like they had their lunch menu, they had like a hospital map, but they had nothing in there to serve them for their mental health. And I was like, that's why they're here. So let's change that. And so I talked to my manager and I just said, you know, can I come up with a a list of like 99 coping skills to just like, if they're going to get off that elevator, you know, sometimes 2 a.m. and they're not going to sleep because it's a new environment. It's really scary. It's like I said, a really vulnerable situation. Let's at least start giving them like those actual tangible skills that they probably haven't learned in, you know, they're just day-to-day lay person life. And so I got the stamp of approval and then I started working on that. And that's really like where the, the original list kind of stemmed from. And the book evolved so much from that because the entire book is evidence-based, which makes it sound textbooky. And I promise it's not, it's very funny, but it is, there's, there's like stories in there of how we've used, we've used the coping skills with patients, all sorts of that kind of stuff. So 
yeah, that's kind of the backstory on it was basically, I just wanted to give people these skills that like we are equipped and qualified to teach and, and do, and people just don't really know about them or don't think of them as necessarily a coping skill. When like, really, if you're more intentional and purposeful in your life, they are coping skills. Right. Like rock climbing is a coping skill. Right. I love like that is, I honestly love rock climbing REI. I don't, I haven't been since I've had my son my second child but they closed it down during the pandemic but like I used to love going to the REI rock wall and climbing like my husband hates it not his favorite coping skill but I truly love it so but there I mean there is so much in there there's some that are like you know things that you would probably know to do like going for a walk outside but there's like very intricate like progressive muscle relaxation resetting your vagus nerve right like and you can look through some Brian's content too to find other things that she recommends but yes there's there's 99 in there it's not a small number and there's very fun interviews from people from experts and yeah loaded with information and I think this is fitting maybe really fitting timing because the 99th coping skill is a happy lamp yes and we are if you are in the northern hemisphere like we are which i think most of my listeners at this point are local to minnesota it's dark getting darker earlier and earlier and staying darker longer mm-hmm. so a happy lamp is an amazing coping skill for increasing your vitamin d and boosting your mental health but i will vouch that the book is very well written very easily digestible very funny <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Lindsay's personality shines through the whole thing and the interviews. And I think the people that you got to do the interviews are very well respected in their field too. Mm-hmm. And like their yeah. expertise. Yeah. This definitely wasn't something that I just like, you know, threw together. It was like, okay, I'll just write this. It was, you know, it was, it's a published book. Like it's definitely a thing. And yeah, it was super fun to write. It was, it was a good challenge for me and I enjoy writing. And so it was a, a healthy, you know, balance from like, entering into motherhood, which was so hard. And so, so much of it was out of my control that I think writing the book was what was in my control. You know, I could do the thing, like I'm very extroverted. So I could reach out to my interviewers and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And I could like hone in and I'm very lucky. I had help every Tuesday. My mom would come over for a few hours and I would wake up to the library and I would write. And I had my, you know, three hours of just like me time, which was amazing. So Yes, I love it. And it's actually one of the things I always tell people is like, it's not only good for you, but if you get it like a copy for your friend, it's such a good like gift book because it's like, haha, silly and take care of yourself. You know, it's like a good permission slip to give to other people. So I love that. Any other therapists, I, I know a lot of therapists actually that use it as a resource for their clients, whether like in their own therapy sessions, or I always say it's like an 18 plus audience because I do swear in it. And there's chapter 69 is something that you might want to give to an adult population (laughs) Um, but yes that is that's the book I got 99 coping skills and being a bitch ain't one and it's wonderful (laughs) it is wonderful and I have a copy here in my office and then I have my signed copy at home (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh I should sign both of your copies that's so fun yeah I should tell your listeners too you guys can reach out to me and just mention that you listen to Ryan's podcast and I will send you a copy. I do a flat rate of $15. It sells on, it retails on Amazon for 18, 
But if you reach out to me directly, if you are in the United States, I will send you a copy. Just again, mention Ryan's podcast and we can do like a little giveaway even. Or I love this. Let's do it. I'm yeah. so into that. Okay, it's great. in here now. So we're doing it. It's done. It's done. <laughs> we're doing a giveaway. Okay, so we're going to do the $15 and then yep. what do you want your giveaway to be? One lucky listener. What do you think? Great. Yeah. Great. I love it. Okay. Maybe write a review for Ryan's pod. Yeah. And come say hi to me on Instagram or something. I don't know. Yeah, we can figure out the logistics, but there will be a giveaway. So stay tuned on my social media and Lindsay's social media. And I'll do, it'll be at the end of the podcast. Yeah. I'll record it for that. So yay, exciting. Giveaway. All right. Lindsay and I both had babies during the pandemic. We did. 2020. What a year. (laughs) What a year. (laughs) What a year all around. So for my listeners, you guys, like my daughter's a little over three. Lindsay's daughter is about to turn three. She just turned three last oh week. my god it was just her birthday I know can you even believe it I know no, I can't I, I had I had tears I had tears it's okay I can't. so we have three-year-olds mm-hmm. what you and I have both kind of been very vocal about our experience in motherhood the postpartum experience I don't horrific disappointing all, I feel like I have still have so many emotions around it three years like removed. What was your entry into motherhood like? Yeah. You know, it's so, it's hard to just, it's really hard to articulate because for me, I was never like, I want to be a mom. Like my whole life, I didn't have that. Once I met my husband when we were dating, he wanted to be a dad. So I was like, okay, I think I can do it, you know, like whatever. And then I came to the conclusion, like, yes, I'm in it to win it. We're doing it. And I distinctly remember when I was seven months pregnant, I went to like a training and it was, I wish I could remember who put it on. Cause it was, or it was the hosts of the, of the seminar were really good, but they talked all about maternal mental health. They talked about the entire perinatal stage, everything. And it was so good. And they talked about how dads actually can get postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression as well. And I was floored. I was like, no way. Well, the reason this was so important to me was because my husband has always been the more anxious one between the two of us. I really was never like a super anxious person. And so I remember him coming home from work that day and me like coaching him. I was like, okay, you're going to get more anxious when the baby's here. You're just going to have to talk to me about it. <laughs> Ryan's laughing. Cause she's like, yeah, that didn't happen, but it truly did not happen that way. Obviously. Also, I love how your therapist voice turns on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> please. My husband knows. He's like, mm-hmm, okay. Okay. Um, it's great. But, oh no. Yeah. We had the full conversation and I was like, I mean, for the last two months of my pregnancy, I was like, okay, so like, this could be something you could experience. I was like doing the hard research into it. Right. And then the baby came and I, it was a really hard labor. It was scary and, and what have you, but then my first four weeks in motherhood, I could describe as nothing but blissful. I was crying constantly, but I was, it was tears of joy. I was just like, I could not believe that this was my life. I could not believe how healthy and happy. I mean, she was sleeping within the first two weeks, which I know I say, and people hate me, but like, honestly, she's always been such a good sleeper. Like I just, I was very, very lucky. And then my husband went back to work. And we were in a pandemic. And as I said, I'm, you know, an extrovert and I was isolated. And I mean, motherhood, I think is always isolating, but especially in 2020, people 
I found were making a lot of decisions for me. Like I was getting excluded from events because they were like, well, you have a new baby. It's probably, you probably don't want to come. And I was like, thank you. I would love nothing more to, you know, attend whatever it was that, that people were making, you know, so stuff like that. Um, and it just kind of snowballed and I'm not somebody that's like good at sitting in my own stuff. Like I will be like miserable for three hours and then I'm like, okay, I got to do something. Hence, you know, the coping skill book, but I just couldn't find anything exactly that like got me out of this headspace. Like my husband and I, our marriage started suffering. I did not recognize who I was as a human being. I was like, who is this woman? This is not, you know, what I thought it was going to be. And the thing is, like I said, I mean, my baby slept, she ate very well. She had allergies and that was really scary and messy for a little while. But outside of that, I mean, truly we had, it wasn't like my child was unhealthy, was, you know, a chaotic child. Like she's very well-mannered, very like, like her demeanor is just like very cool and collected. So I don't know, like I, there's so many words that I could use to describe it because there's still, I mean, honestly, there's still times that like almost daily, probably I say, I like tear up a little bit because I am so obsessed with her. Like she's so fun. And there's other times that I like want to pull my hair out. I just don't think anybody can fully prepare you for motherhood. I'm rambling. Sorry, but that was my experience. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right that the doctors, the friends, the family, everyone that has had a child still everyone can tell you everything and it still doesn't prepare you because your experience is going to be different Mm -hmm. yeah do you feel like so I we've talked a lot about our birth stories and experience and also had a traumatic labor and delivery and did not have a blissful four weeks or even Mm -hmm. I don't know maybe six months (laughs) do you think was it love at first sight for you and her it wasn't. I remember being so exhausted. Like people are like, you just feel nothing but love when they put your baby on your chest. And I remember feeling nothing but relief that she was like out and safe and that I could honestly sleep. Like I was so tired after pushing for so long. I, I, I can't even remember how long it was. Now I'd have to look at my, I took a huge long note. Like the next day I just like wrote it all out. So I wouldn't forget how, and then she ended up meeting forceps. I thought we were going to have to go to see, like, it was just like a whole, it was a whole process. But after I slept, like she went to NICU and my husband, I remember looking at him and he was like, do you want me here? Do you want me there? And I said, you can do whatever I need to sleep. Like, I think you should probably go be with her if that's what you want. And, and he did. And so he was, you know, happy to do that. I was happy that he could do that. We did get our 45 minutes of skin to skin. Well, that's a lie. We got like 25 minutes before they had to take her, but still I got some skin to skin and then I just rested and I... I don't even know how long I slept for, but I vividly remember when I, they wheeled me down to the NICU so I could go breastfeed her probably four hours after delivery. And then it was like an all encompassing feeling like that's, I, I remember feeling like so much love just like take over my body because for those first like while I was just, I mean, they were cleaning me up. They were, I was like in and out of sleep. Like I was just so exhausted, but then, yeah, but that moment was like, I mean, something, I don't think I'll ever feel that, you know, ever again, I'm done having children. Now I have two, I'm very, very happy with them, but it was, I mean, it was, yeah, that, that feeling was great, but I know not everybody has that. Like, it's like a slow growth. I almost don't feel like I've had kind of that all encompassing love with my son. It was like, 
like we're growing to love each other kind of thing versus like having that with my daughter where it was like maybe it was my first or it was just I don't know but that was kind of my experience with her yeah what did you have with Noah oh not all encompassing <laughs> not love at first not sight that. yeah it was very traumatic mm-hmm. I had multiple failed epidurals mm-hmm that led to a lot of pushing and I had an episiotomy and mm. then she, I feel like they tell you that the epidural is going to like make you not feel anything, but I could feel when I was like pushing, I could feel her head sliding down and then I could feel her coming all the way back up. Mm. And I was like, we're not doing anything. Like <laughs> nothing's <laughs> happening. So I, and during that time, like she would kind of get lodged and her heart rate would decelerate and so there was just all of these concerns and then after she was born they took her away I didn't get immediate skin to skin contact and as a therapist and I've done a lot of like trauma work around this I've done some EMDR around it and I still have missing pieces of time Mm -hmm. following when she was fully out so Mm -hmm. I kind of just like blacked out and haven't been able to recover like the time frame around it in my mind, my perception is that I did not see or hold her for at least an hour. It's maybe longer than that Mm. Um, because I was started to hemorrhage and there was some other thing, some other complications going on. And with her heart, they needed to make sure that was all okay. But I just never felt like, oh my gosh, I'm so in love with you. Mm -hmm. I feel that now. And Mm -hmm. I think it grew over time, but then As the weeks went on, I developed a severe infection, Mm -hmm. which just kind of resulted in emergency surgery and being readmitted to the hospital. And I just feel like I never had that opportunity of like true bonding, I guess, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, like our breastfeeding journey didn't go well. Like, (laughs) yeah, I do think like some like the breastfeeding journey for me did go so well and I feel so fortunate for that and I think that probably helped like it wasn't she wouldn't take a bottle so I breastfed her exclusively for 13 months so that part was hard but like we like I didn't have like you know I wasn't sore I mean truly like it was it was relatively easy for me and I and I think so much is overshadowed by like the hardships that like, like, I think I was in pure bliss for those four weeks because I had my husband to help and lean on and I had his support, right? He had, it was three weeks, but I was still like the first week by myself. I was very impressed with myself. I was like, okay, we got this. I, you know, we're both alive. Like things are going well over here. And then about a week later, I was like, oh wait, no, this sucks. So I think, you know, I have a lot to say about our paternity rights here in the United States. And I think if I had had like a true village, the way if people say like it takes a village and that that support was actually, you know, genuinely provided through, you know, work leave policies and, and other avenues, then that would have looked different too. Um, I don't, yeah. So did, did your husband have, yeah. He was off for a little bit, but he's a professor. So he was Mm -hmm. teaching from home. Right. So it was kind of weird how it worked out because so Noah was born in the middle of August, which is like right before the fall semester starts. And we're in mother in the hospital, like I'm in labor and he's off on the couch, like 
on a meeting because mm-hmm. they had to plan for like how are classes going to go mm-hmm. and couldn't reschedule it because he mm-hmm. had to be there but the nurse was so pissed <laughs> <laughs> she I was love nurses. so I love nurses. she was like the I think the epitome of like the nurse that is just ready to retire like she is Mm -hmm. at her seniority she has outlived her stay here and she was like why is he on this meeting you are in labor he needs to get off the meeting and like nothing this is like right as I was being admitted like nothing's happening they're just hooking everything up and she's like he's over here on zoom and she's just like fired up I was like can we just focus on me the one that's having the baby Right. Like I'm good with it. So like you need to be good with it. (laughs) Yeah. Like we need him to keep his job. So he needs to be on this meeting. (laughs) Hello. We're already in a pandemic and things are up in the air. So let's just don't worry about it. But then he was off for a little bit after and has a lot of flexibility in his job. So I don't think, I don't think they have like an actual paternity leave, but he was able to kind of like flex and be there and support. And then I was able to work remotely and literally would just work with like Noah on my chest Mm -hmm. as I was on my laptop working. But I, I just, I've had this conversation with so many people that nobody can prepare you for everything. And like the infection that I got was due to retained placenta that wasn't fully removed because it had reattached. So I had placenta like the size of a quarter Mm. stuck that had like relatched onto my uterus and it's like 0.01% of people this happens to like it is not common it just happened due to my blood not clotting properly after everything and I think it was like my body was just like slowly becoming sicker and sicker and sicker and I don't know if I've ever even shared like that full story that like I had like 105 fever and was just at home like nothing was wrong (laughs) you had I remember you came over and went for a walk with like you know the girls and and us went for a walk or whatever and I remember you like telling me a lot about your scenario but I mean also mom yeah, brain we... is real so it's I mean like we were for our conversation yeah. god if you listen to our conversation on that walk I'm sure it was just like all over what is happening to these people yeah. <laughs> where did my brain go but yeah and I don't even know if it would have helped to know like it's possible for the epidural to fail it's possible if these things happen it's possible that this might happen I don't know if any of that would have helped make the situation any better or change my outcome. Like, had I been prepared, like it just happened and it happened so fast. Yeah. Well, and I think like you say, I mean, it's just, I agree. Like it's, there's just nothing you can do to really prepare with that first. And I mean, I don't want, like, I never want to say anything to like scare people, but I also want to like talk openly about it because I think I had like particularly I had so many intrusive thoughts during you know my pregnancy and after about like her health and just things like that and I didn't know that that was a thing I didn't have a word for them I didn't know you know that kind of stuff and so it sounds so scary and I think you know as a society we've done this you kind of like a pro-con thing right we're talking about it it's more out there you can find any information that you want with like a couple swipes down you know social media lane but it's also there's so much beauty in it so mm-hmm. because I did have such a good experience with my daughter in some ways and and so much of it I, like I said before revolved around my marriage we know that heterosexual relationships particularly women really struggle because 
your marriage changes and dynamics change. And there's not a lot of conversation. There's not a lot of preemptive conversation around some of it, which can be really challenging. Finances obviously are a huge, huge concern. So that all, all that to say, I would do it a thousand times over again. It was hard. It was really hard. And I'm so happy that I did it because I, I mean, people ask like, was, is it worth it to have a baby? And my answer is yes. Like 10 over, you know, it's just without question in my head, the answer is yes. And my birth with my son was, it was so easy. Like it was just so, it was just normal. Like I was like, if I had 18 more births like that, I would have probably 18 more kids. Like it was just like so simple, so pain-free. I was like up and moving around. I was like, oh my God. Like I told AJ, I was like, you're going to have my husband you're going to have to slow me down because I felt so good that I was like, I know I'm going to overdo it because I feel so great. Like, because I didn't have that with kids. I was truly recovering for yeah. weeks with her. And <laughs> with Dakota, I was like buzzing. Like, what's up? Went to the mall of America on day three. He was three years, three days old. I was like, let's go walk around the mall. It was what's great. that like? <laughs> it was wonderful. It was truly wonderful. And they were, we were like, we were like in the elevator. I was taking him out and they're like, oh, he's new. And I was like, yeah, he's new. How old is he? I was like, oh, he's three days, like three days or no, maybe he was four days, he was four days old. I, regardless. But either way, it's the same. I was like buzzing around. I mean, we got home and I was like, yeah, that was, that was probably too much, but I really went for it. It was great. I was like, this is so new, you know? So that entry into second time motherhood is so much different. So did AJ have the postpartum anxiety and depression that you alluded no. to in the beginning? No. <laughs> no, he had nothing. And he was honestly like, what has taken over my wife? Like what's going on? Yeah. Because I was such a nervous Nelly. And to be fair to him, I mean, like that is really scary for him to like, and he doesn't know how to help. He does not have a therapy background. He is a graphic designer that has never once taken a psychology class in his life, you know? So he was just like, I don't, he had no idea how to help me. And even as a person who, you know, a therapist myself, like I, I didn't know how to help me. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was rough for him and for us, but no, he, he was totally fine. He was just like, yeah, this Here baby's great. He's like, she came out nine pounds. He was like, she's this, yeah, she was huge. Sturdiest baby ever. <laughs> I was like, yeah, she's holding her head up on day one. Like, I don't know. She's chilling ready to go <laughs> oh gosh yeah that's a big baby good for you <laughs> big baby yeah good for you my ob quote we breed them big here in carver county i was like can we never can we never say something like that she guessed that she was going to be medium to small but probably close you know on the smaller side of medium and she was nine pounds you were overdue with her though right Yes. But well, yeah. yeah, I was in active labor on my due date. And then I went in and out of active labor for three days and she showed up on this, you know, four days after, but yeah, no, I was, we went to the hospital like three times. Cause I was, they were like, yeah, you're ready. Let's go. And then I would sit and I would sit and I would sit in labor and have my contractions. And then they'd send me home. And finally on the last one, I was like, do what you must. <laughs> I am, I am not going home this time. <laughs> My water broke with Noah at 5.30 in the morning and I went and sat on the couch with a pee pad and it depends on and watched reality TV for three hours. Oh, wow, that's something. I thought my water broke on my due date and AJ was hunting. Out hunting. Oh, 
Uh-huh. So I called him. I said, well, actually, I called the hospital first. I think my water broke. I couldn't really tell really what had happened as I was peeing. And then I got off the toilet. And I thought I was still peeing. And I was like, oh, that must be my water. No, that was just me peeing my pants for everyone to know that <laughs> fun fact about me. But I was like, oh, that's weird. Like something's happening. And so they, so he, so I called him and I said, you know, they gave us an hour. They were like, come in in an hour, take a shower, eat something, you know, whatever. So he like, I called him. I was like, hey, I think my water broke. You have an hour to like, before we need to be there so you don't he was hunting relatively nearby but he like he was like I almost left decoys behind like he was like frantic and I was like oh my god um but yeah no and then we got there and they were like no your water didn't break but she was like are you feeling these contractions and I was like I mean I feel something but like not and she was like yeah you're you're these are contractions she was like I'm gonna send you home because I don't want to admit you because once you're admitted my OB said no food or water and so she was like I don't want you to you know have to endure that for hours if you don't have to so go home the hospital for us is like 20 minutes it wasn't like a, a long drive and they were like we are 99% sure that we will see you in about five hours and that was not true so very exciting <laughs> yeah it's funny how that works yeah pregnancy's weird yeah <laughs> so now you're a certified financial therapist coach what's your title (laughs) tell me more so yes so my certification is technically a certified financial social worker and coach with my certification I got both the coaching title so I can work outside of the scope of Minnesota but I can technically practice as a social worker licensing social worker also which I don't do like I almost always just am a coach (laughs) yeah and I feel like this stemmed So kind of in the beginning, you were focusing more on like motherhood, coping with motherhood, learning just ways to maybe be better in motherhood or healthier Mm -hmm. in motherhood. And it's transpired into this financial piece. How did we get there? Yeah, no, that's such a good, no one's ever asked me that. That's so funny. That's a really good question though. Yeah. So I practiced, like I said at the beginning, like a generalist for so long. So I did a lot of coping skill stuff with my clients. And then, yeah, after I became a mom and as we've talked about, had a you know hard time entry into motherhood, I was like, I need to do more about this. Like, what can I do to help other moms so they don't have the same experience? And what I realized after working with a lot of moms and I actually like outlined an entire course and all this stuff, one, it's really hard to get moms to actually like invest in themselves and to like like think like I think when you're in it you don't realize how like quote-unquote bad it is until you're out of it almost and so for a while I was like do I market this to dads because dads are actually possible partners I should say gonna pick up on like some of their partner stuff more than like you know what I mean like Mm them so anyway all that to say I did that for a while and then I started realizing like as my fog started lifting and I became you know, back on my healthy side of things, I was like, I, this is heavy. We need it. I cannot do this forever. Like, I don't want to be working with postpartum moms because it is so heavy and I don't have the capacity being a new mom still myself. Like now my son is 10 months old. I have a three-year-old and I was like, I, I didn't have as heavy of like postpartum stuff with my son. And so I was like, I just, I don't want to put myself in that mindset when I'm like finally getting myself out of that mindset. And so I've 
always been a money nerd. Like I've always really enjoyed crunching numbers. I've always really enjoyed math. I've always enjoyed a lot of that kind of stuff. And somewhere along the the way, I've realized like how emotional money and finances really are and how finances is actually the number one stressor across our nation. And so my husband and I actually started getting really serious about our finances about seven years ago. He was looking to buy his first home. I basically, we were looking at it together, though we weren't yet married, doing that whole process. I ended up just really absorbing a lot of financial information back then. So then transition, what I was realizing is I was doing a lot of my motherhood stuff after my daughter was born, like so much of the concern that people have actually revolves around finances. Like if any decision that you are going to make in your life has a health component, like, are you healthy enough to do X, Y, or Z? Do you have the finances to do whatever it is that you want to do? And if you have children, then you have to figure out, are they coming or are they not coming? And who's our babysitter, (laughs) right? Like those are the three things that truly touch every single decision that you're going to make. Otherwise that that's not true for everyone. So I just, I don't know. So I, I was listening actually to a book called how not to hate your husband after kids really good. And I was more doing that at that time. I was actually, I should have listened to it three years ago, but I was listening to it out of more like work to help my clients and things at the time. And she mentioned, I was, I was, it was an audio book and she mentioned financial therapy and I hit pause and was like, oh my God, what, what is financial therapy? Immediately Googled, found all these different options, certification processes, whatever. Well, my rule of thumb has always been like, wait 48 hours for like a big purchase. So I followed my rule. I waited the 48 hours, but I mean, immediately my husband got home that night and I was like, I'm, I'm going to be a financial therapist. He's like, what's that? And I was like, it's me that that's what it is. And I was so excited about it. And so, yeah, I mean, literally I took the certification. It takes, (laughs) I think you have six months to complete the program and take the test. And I finished it in just over three weeks. Like I did (laughs) nothing but do this. I was still pregnant with my son or no, you know what? He was, he was here he was here, he was alive, he was born, but he was a newborn. So he was like really sleepy. So I could do a lot of it while he was like sleeping on me or whatever. And my daughter is still napping because she's an angel and does that. And so, I mean, literally every night for weeks, I did nothing. Like, I mean, my husband and I like barely spoke because I was like, okay, I need to do my coursework. I would wake up at four 30 in the morning and do my coursework before my kids would wake up. Like I loved it. And I, and I, that's the thing is like, I truly enjoyed it. It wasn't just like, I have to do this because I want to just crank it out. It was like, let me learn more. And so now I've been doing that and it's going so well. My clients have all been amazing. We've made leaps and bounds. It's been so fun to talk to people about their money. And because it is such, it's still such a taboo topic, especially for women, especially for people in the helping profession. I think there's like this underlying, you know, subliminal thought that like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't want money. We're not in it for the money. We're not here to help people for the money. And I'm like, hell no, I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. And I deserve to be paid, you know, the proper amount for the things that I, you know, the services that I'm providing too. And you know, like, I mean, it's just, yeah. So I think there's a lot of that. There's a lot of money scripts that people tell themselves unconsciously or not about how they feel about, you know, greed and all these different things. And it is, it's so fun to talk about. So let's talk about it. (laughs) What's like one of the 
top emotional themes you're seeing in your clients related to money like shame or just like scarcity both both absolutely yes I think shame is the biggest one people are so embarrassed that they like don't know how to properly manage their money or how they feel about money or how they fight about money with their spouse or whatever um there's a lot a lot of shame in that so I always say like my whole practice is shame free like anything you do is in the past that happened let's recognize it but like let's learn from it kind of thing and it's so funny it's like truly money language is a whole different language. And like, if you compare it to French and you've never taken French, like nobody feels bad for not understanding French if they've never taken a French class. And yet with money, it's like, we were never taught financial things. My parents never taught me. And I'm really embarrassed that I don't know anything about it. And I'm like, what? Like, how can you feel bad? Like you've never, you've never learned, you know? But I think that probably the most common thing I see is avoidance people are so money avoidant, like won't open their bills, won't open their statements, just hope and pray that everything's balancing out. Hope, you know, like a lot of that it's called the ostrich effect. Actually, there's a name for it is. So when you're sticking your head in the sand, avoiding kind of all that kind of stuff, any money stuff, and you just, and even with yourself or with your partner or with, you know, your friends or what have you, it's like, Oh, the bill comes at a dinner and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay this. It's like, you know, it gets awkward, like that kind of stuff. So yeah, shame, guilt, scared. Yeah. All of that for sure. What's been like the biggest or coolest impact you've seen from your work doing this so far? Oh my God. I have so many examples. I mean, like literally, (laughs) no, all I know what you mean though. All of my clients have had such significant wins that it's re- it's hard to like even say, but one of my clients right now, she's in a financial position. She's doing very well. We've gotten her kind of like situ- situated. We've un- automated a lot of her, her bills, which has been really helpful for just easing some of her anxiety. She doesn't have to be so on top of it because computers do that better than humans do anyway, right? So some of that was really helpful. She invested her first dollar at 38 years old. This was just last week. And she was like, oh my God, like I'm an investor. Like she just kept saying it. And I was like, you are, you're doing it. Like now she has like a full plan for retirement. She's on track to retire when she's 65. Like she's just, I mean, she's such a success. And her homework this last time was to plan her, her birthday vacation to Chicago because the whole idea is like, let's figure out what life it is that you specifically, right? You unique to you have a dream about what you want your life to look like. What is that? Not what everybody else wants, not what the Joneses want, not what the Kardashians want, not what everybody else wants. What do you want? Mm -hmm. And let's figure out a way to get you there. And the way I go about that then is reverse engineering that, right? And so her, like on her list, on her dreams is to go to Chicago for her birthday. And I was like, your homework is to plan it, plan the trip, budget it out. Right. And then we know when that, that trip is going to happen. She's not actually purchasing anything, but she's getting an idea. And then we can, again, reverse engineer the budget kind of, or the spending plan, but people hate the word budget, but to make that, to make that happen for her. So that's been really exciting. I just thought of like 12 others, but I'll, I'll leave it at that one. <laughs> so this is your career. This is my, yes. I'm like, I've never felt so absolute in alignment with what I should be doing to help people. And it feels so good to be able to provide something that I think is actually truly, I mean, in my heart of hearts, I feel like it is so necessary. Like people don't have the tools. They don't have the resources. They don't have the ability, like even like one of my clients and I, we literally just did like a comparative of her paycheck to what she works in a hospital. 
she has differentials. She was like, I am too scared to make sure that my paycheck is correct. And I'm almost positive it's wrong, but I like, I'll just let them keep the money. And I was like, no girl, no, we're not doing that. So like, that's what we did for like most of our session was just like compare your differentials and make sure that everything was. And she was like, I feel such a sense of relief at the end of that, just to like, oh my God, like I was right. They were wrong. And this is how I'm going to approach that conversation. And this is what I'm going to do going forward. Like, so we just made a plan to make sure that she was getting paid properly, you know, just like things like that, that people are like, oh, it's okay. Like, I I don't want to like confront anyone. It's like, no, it's not, it's like, this is an agreement that you guys made as an employee and employer. Right. So I think, yeah, it just, I don't know. I just, I love it. I'm opening up because my one-to-one sessions have been full since I opened essentially my, I'm now launching a group program. I don't know when this episode is going to come out, but my, the group is starting on black Friday doors open and I'm launching it for $29 a month or you can save $50 more and, and just do a two it's two ninety nine for a whole annual package because also price transparency is wildly important to me, yeah. but, and inside that group right now it's all moms, which is super fun, but it's open to anybody. Primarily women is kind of who we're focusing on, but anyone is, anyone is more than welcome to come, um, and figure out answer, get, you know, I can answer all your money questions from, all the emotional stuff. And then I don't give advice. I'm very clear to not give advice, but I educate you around where your resources are going to come from, how you can set yourself up for retirement. If you want to start a 529 plan for your kids, we talk about all of that. And I am elated. I'm so excited about it. We have such good topics coming up and it's going to be so fun. One of my, one of the women who was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. She's like, how do I know that my individual questions are going to be answered? I was like, girl, cause I'm going to be in there almost every day. Like <laughs> type your question out and I will respond to it, you know, and I'm going to be doing live Q and A's. I have other experts coming in to talk about things. So it is going to be, I'm really hoping how impactful I think it'll, it'll really serve people kind of in the broader sense. So I'm so, I mean, I'm so excited about it. I think it's going to be great. Yeah. So this will come out before black Friday. I'll get the details from Lindsay about the group and get those in the show notes too, and link all of her social media or your Instagram. And I will just say from my observation as your friend, we have a lot of coffee work dates. <laughs> we do. And I've, you know, been along the journey of like the coping with motherhood book or course. And like, this feels much more, like you said, aligned, mm-hmm. more intentional. And like the coping with motherhood did feel intentional, but I think you always maybe felt a little scattered or just like wanting to find, like there was always something else that needed to be done. <laughs> yeah yep (laughs) yeah but like this feels like so good Mm -hmm. and so well thought out and like you're not trying to like overthink it no maybe with your amortization schedule that you made was overthinking but we'll leave that we'll leave that here (laughs) (laughs) we'll leave that for the guessing yes I made a whole amortization schedule for everyone and I decided not to share it because nobody cares about amortization (laughs) schedules except for me but it's so interesting but you made it (laughs) but I made it yes no I yeah I totally agree with you it was like the other stuff I was like trying to find my path and I think that you know aligns with like how motherhood is you're like trying to find what kind of mom you want to be right like do you want to be the sensory bin mom do you want to be the gymnastics mom the soccer mom like which mom are you going to be and I found my groove in my motherhood and now I'm like so happy to say I found my groove like in my therapy practice of like my niche is financial therapy and I am here to stay and I am so happy to be here and it's yeah 
it's amazing. Wonderful. So the people can find you at Clipping with Lindsay. That's me. On Instagram. And that's also your website. Yep. We'll link it all. Last question. What is the one piece of advice or the one thing you wish people knew about anything? Ooh. Loaded question. Yeah, damn. (laughs) I will stick with the financial route and say, I wish people knew that money was simply a tool to get you to the life that you want to live. Period. It's not bad. It's not evil. It's not inherently good or bad, right? It's just a tool that is actually going to get you to the point where you want to be. And it's just a matter of doing the work to get you there. With that, what's an easy, low entry, low stress step that someone can take to start that process? Follow me on Instagram. Just kidding. Also that. (laughs) Also that. I think the only way out is through. Like, I think I'm a huge advocate for education and financial literacy in general. And so I think the very first thing that you can do is truly like, if you have a question, figure out what it is and type it into Google. Like there's so much resources, so many resources out there to help you. And it's sometimes more than just the education. I think there is a lot of, you know, some handholding that needs to be done too, which is, you know, why I'm here. But, but I think a lot of it is just figuring out how you feel about certain things and why you're feeling that way. So like a lot of awareness, I guess, Google, Google and me, we're both here to help you. Perfect. I love that. Well, we're at, we're out of time. We're out of time. We've been here an hour. We have been here an hour. I want to thank you for taking time. I know this is probably nap time. It is. So thank you for taking time out of your Monday to chat with me and share everything about motherhood and finances and your own mental health and just having this conversation with me. Thank I appreciate you for it. Having me. Yeah. I'm so excited to see where your podcast goes because it's awesome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> for listening to this episode. As we mentioned in the podcast, we're doing a giveaway of one of Lindsay's books. I've got 99 coping skills and being a bitch ain't one of them. All you have to do is follow both of us on social media and write a review for this podcast, What Brought You Here Today. I'm on Instagram at ryan.melick, and you can find Lindsay on Instagram at copingwithlindsay. A winner will be selected on Friday, November 3rd. And again, a big thank you for listening and for all of your support. I appreciate all of you so much and hope you have a beautiful day.